Hello and welcome to Inspire Me Today Radio. I'm your host, Gail Lynn Goodwin. Most of us grow up having some idea of what we want to do in life. For some, that path is dramatically altered by a life event. Today's guest became interested in consciousness and exploration due to a mystical experience that unfolded, of all things, during a construction accident back in the 80s. This profoundly life-changing event convinced him to enroll in Princeton Theological Seminary, from which he graduated with a degree as Master of Divinity in 1985. During his 15 years of service as a Presbyterian pastor, he studied consciousness and spirituality, seeking to bring together traditional meditation techniques with contemporary expressions of spiritual exploration. He's a former building contractor, designer, and journeyman carpenter, and now is also an experienced public speaker, spiritual director, seminar leader, artist, and musician. His name is Paul Rademacher, and he's here today to share his inspiration with us. Paul, I got to tell you, I am very excited to talk with you. Thank you for joining us at Inspire Me Today Radio. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, I've, I've read and I've touched on some of the bits of your story, but this is an interesting mm. one. Tell us what happened. Tell us how you got to be who you are today. Well, I think there uh, are really two formative events that happened in my in my 20s that set the direction of my life, although I didn't know it at the time. The first one of those was um, in my early 20s, I had a philosophy of life that said if, if something scared me, I should probably do it. And uh-huh. one of the things that t- terrified me was the idea of hitchhiking. So obviously I had to do it. And I ended up hitchhiking across the United States by myself. And uh, at one point, uh, in, this is the first time that I'd ever been to California, and at one point I found myself in Big Sur, California, standing uh, on the side of the road. Beautiful area. Which is a, oh, it's gorgeous. <laughs> and, you know, to my uh, neophyte eyes, it was just almost next to, to God at that point in time. But I, I was in a very difficult situation because... The weather, the, the sun was going down, and it was getting very cold very fast, and I wasn't prepared for that kind of weather change at all. I had no idea where I was going to spend the evening and or who was going to pick me up or if I was going to get another ride or whatever. And as I'm standing on the side of the road fretting about this experience, all of a sudden everything shifted around me, and suddenly I was enveloped in this warmth, this sense of... of being completely cared for the redwoods seemed to come alive around me and it was as if the world came to life in a way that i'd never seen before and in that moment at my point of greatest vulnerability i felt more safe than i had ever been in all of my life and as the rest of the trip turned out that was exactly what happened Uh, my next ride was i was picked up by a guy in a motor home who ended up being a gourmet cook and Uh he took me down to yellowstone uh, national park and then drove me all the way back to minnesota and one more ride and i was back to my home in pennsylvania it was unbelievable wow but that showed me that that this physical world hides a, a spiritual essence that is there even though we don't see it, and it's in those times of greatest vulnerability sometimes that it will open itself up and we can get a peek sort of behind the scenes, and that really changed the way that I looked at the physical world. Paul, why do you think so, it is? I mean, I think most people listening would say, wow, 
you know, where can I get some of that? How can I tap into that? Because most people get stuck in that kind of a situation and panic, and then they seem to spiral downward from that panic rather than whatever grace you had that allowed you to open up and be with it. How can someone step into that kind of space? Well, that's a that's a really good question, and because I'm I'm not sure I really don't know for sure what the answer to that is, but it's interesting because what you said uh, actually leads into the second experience and may shed some light on your question. Um, the second experience happened in my late twenties when I was in uh, my brother and I had a construction company and we were working up on the roof of a house we were building. I was pulling on a board and suddenly it gave way and found myself careening off the roof and I landed on a pile of gravel and I didn't Ouch. know it at the time but I left hip. So they called the ambulance, took me to the hospital, did some x-rays, uh, didn't find anything wrong with hip and so they put me into physical therapy which if you do happen to have a physical, have a fractured hip, is not the place you want to end up. But no kidding. Here I was, yeah. Here I was anyway, and they're cranking around my hip, and and I was just about, I almost passed out several times. The doctor came by and said, you know, we better take another look at that thing. So he did some more X-rays and found out that there was in fact a fracture there. So they took me out of physical therapy and put me into traction. And when the doctor came and gave me the news, I found myself going into that spiral of anxiety that you just talked about. Right. It, it, was, it, it wasn't a metaphor. I actually could feel myself spinning around and, and anxiety and agony at the same time, anxiety because this is the busiest time of our construction year and there was no way I could be off work. I think we all and, know what that feels like. In one way, seriously, we've all experienced exactly what you're talking about of this can't be happening to me, and oh my goodness, and you just spin. What did you do then? Well, I didn't do anything except just stayed with the spinning and heading in this downward spiral, and all of a sudden I broke through something. I don't know what it was, but I broke through something. And in breaking through that something, I left the physical world and entered into some other dimension entirely. And in that other dimension, the um, pain that I had from the fractured hip completely dissipated. I found my the anxiety went away completely. I was surrounded by total peace. I entered into, you know, if you're, uh, if you're familiar with the Bible at all, the sure. Apostle Paul talks about the peace that passes all understanding. I entered into that place. And for me, it's a place. It isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it isn't a figment of our imagination or a metaphor. It's an actual place where everything has meaning and purpose. Everything was just exactly what it should be. No such thing as an accident, including falling off this roof. And then, at some point in that experience, I found myself standing in front of a being of light, and we were conversing about my life without words. And I don't remember the, the, the crux of that conversation at all. I just remember the sense of it and, and this sense of being conveyed information. Right. So when I came out of that experience, I, it was kind of the, the other side of the coin from the first experience. first experience told me that the physical world has this spiritual essence that we can access. And the second experience showed me that there is also there are also worlds beyond the physical that we can access as well. And so there's a, there's a, there's a, 
a broad spectrum of panorama that's available to us as human beings, um, and sometimes we just fall into it. But other times I think that we can set ourselves on an intentional path toward that as well. In my case, I just kind of fell into both of those, and that was the impetus for me then to follow the path and, and make that my life's work after that. Wow. You know, I've, one of the questions that I always ask is, you know, everybody looks at you and thinks you have an easy life. And while you're sharing experiences that would have rocked a lot of people, you know, rocked their world in a negative way, why do you think it was that you were able to step into this and see this in the way that you did? I mean, and the reason I'm asking this, Paul, is did you do something to prepare for this? Or was this just, I don't know, the attitude in the moment, the way that you decided to, to see this? <laughs> The reason I'm asking is people are going to be listening to this saying, how do I make this happen in my life? I yeah. want to see what he saw. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, think I, I think I had a sort of a proclivity for this. Uh, my, my dad was an engineer, and so he had a very structured uh, worldview, and I always found myself at odds with that, and I could never really put my finger on why. Um, and so there was a sense in which I was always searching for something, even though I didn't have any idea what that something was. And it wasn't until uh, those two experiences that I began to even begin to get an outline of what it was that I was hungering for. Um, to, you know, to, to answer that question, I think to be able to begin to do that, you know, there are, there are a number of spiritual paths that have been laid out for us uh, through the generations. And um, part of the part of that task, I think, is to explore enough to the point where you come to one that seems to resonate with who you are as a person. For me, uh, that that path, uh, to a large extent, wound its way uh, into the church because that was after the last experience. That was really the only language that I had for this was religious language, and that was what took me into seminary. Mm -hmm. um, but I found that when I was a pastor for 15 years, I was continually uh, at odds. I, I just never had the time to pursue that which I thought was most important, which was this mystical path, this uh, understanding of the deeper nature of reality. Because, you know, as a pastor, you're just com completely covered up with uh, all kinds of obligations. And But when I was in the ministry, I ran across a book by Robert Monroe, which was called uh, Far Journeys. Robert Monroe was uh, a guy that, uh, back in the 1950s, was involved in radio, and he was a, he was a businessman, but he started having spontaneous out-of-body experiences. But he was very careful in chronicling his experience, and he produced three books uh, from those experiences. And, when I read the second one, which was Far Journeys, right. suddenly for the first time I was connecting with somebody who had some sense of, of the journey that I had found myself on. And um, as a result of that, later on, I, I ended up going to the Monroe Institute, and the first program that I took there, that world, those worlds that I experienced both in Big Sur and also when falling off the roof began to open up in ways that I could have never even begun to imagine. So it was like a, a manna from heaven for me because for the first time I could participate in that direct personal experience that I'd been hungering for. Wow. At any point, were you frightened? 
that's a good question. I think my curiosity always seemed to overcome my fear. My, my, if I had fear, it was probably more around the sense that I needed to hide what I was doing. You know, hmm. if, you're having, if you happen to find yourself being a Presbyterian pastor, one of the things that your congregants want to know is that you're normal. <laughs> and, oh, that's sure. Kind of prerequisite for keeping your job, you know, and and yet I had this hunger that was taking me into places that I didn't dare tell anybody about, and even going to the Monroe Institute was something that I, I kept very close to the vest, uh, and so my fear probably was around that more than anything else, um, but eventually I even got over that fear because I, I ended up doing uh, some bringing back some of the Monroe Institute programs to some people, a very select group of people in my congregation. And for them, it was, it was absolutely life, life-changing as well. So that was what told me that this is really very, very important work. Very interesting. Well, coming from the background that you have, from both the theological background and the greater spiritual realm background of the two experiences, what would you say to someone who might be listening right now who is feeling fear about some aspect of their life? Well, I'm not sure that we can entirely get over fear. You know, we're going to confront it uh, sooner or later, and it it generally happens to be um, something that instinctively we kind of react against. But if you can sort of sit in that place of fear long enough and, and begin to see it as maybe an opportunity for something new to emerge, then it can start to change a bit. You know, uh, some people talk about leaning into your fear. I'm not so, quite so sure if that's mm-hmm. always always that easy to do. But um, well, I guess maybe in, in a way I, I have sort of retained uh, that mantra that I had when I was. A, a, a teenager that said, you know, if something scared me, I should probably do it. It's it's not uh, it's not necessarily a bad way to live. It can be kind of overly tense at times, but uh, it can lead you into interesting, interesting places. Yeah, no kidding. I want to read a quote that you sent to me and have you talk mm-hmm. and go a little bit deeper on this quote because I love the quote and I love where I went with it. So I'd like mm-hmm. to see where you intended for us to go with it. How's that? The quote sure. is, Each night we are offered a doorway to infinity, our dreaming life. And when the dreamscape is explored via the heart's wisdom, the waking world becomes bathed in wonder. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That just makes me go, ah. (laughs) I mean, seriously, that's, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's a warm, fuzzy feeling. Mm. Yeah, I, um, in a way, this gets back to your previous question, too, um, I have found, as of late, and, and by the way, let me just kind of fill in some of the story from where we left off to where we are now. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I, I left the church, and uh, a couple of months after walking out the door of the church, I got a call from the Monroe Institute I, asking me if I wanted to be a residential facilitator there. I said, yeah. And uh, from that, then I became the executive director of the Monroe Institute from 2007 to 2011. Uh, I left the Institute in 2011 because I had a sense that there was something new that was trying to emerge that I needed to pay attention to. And one, of the, and one central aspect of that new thing was an exploration of the dream world. 
uh, I think that, that dreams are something that, uh, that most people do. It's been shown that most everybody dreams. Not everybody remembers their dreams, but uh, everybody, uh, most adults, do dream. And we tend to overlook that as a doorway into um, the miraculous because because it happens so often. It seems so mundane, and oh, we're told that these are just firings off of our neurons, and they have no real meaning, or they're just replays of the day. What I found instead is that when you begin to access the dream world in a very intentional way, uh, it can open up experiences that, that can be every bit as wondrous and, and exciting as anything else that you might want to encounter. And, and for me, that, that specific way of, open, of entering into the dream world, and I just discovered this by accident more than anything else, was uh, to, when I went to bed at night, I was instructed to just go into my heart space and to draw my attention there, nothing more. And, and then I was instructed to do that also when I would wake up in the morning. And what I found was that this put a, couple, put a bookends around the evening time okay. and, and created an intentionality that opened up the dream world in, in very, very remarkable ways that that then bridged over into my meditational life, they bridged over into my waking life, and uh, in ways that I just could have never, never imagined. So, I have to ask, how does one do that? Okay. Um, it's, it, it, you would think it would be pretty hard uh, to do, but it really is as simple as moving our attention from the brain and its activity if you if you're paying attention to your brain one of the things you can't get seem to get away from very easily is your thoughts you know sure they're going to be they're going to be there one way or another and often they're they're uh, oppositional thoughts you know they're pros and cons they're dualistic and and they're assertive and yet then they, they deny that assertion you end up in these loops mm-hmm. what i found is when i moved my intention attention from the brain into the heart, it put me in a very different space that was removed me from that the looping of, of thinking, the monkey mind. And that space is one that's very different uh, because the heart, uh, unlike the brain, the brain likes to slice and dice reality and, and to name it and, and cut it up into pieces that are manageable. But the heart, on the other hand, is a very different quality and it's a very different perceptual quality because by its very nature it's inclusive and it's relational and so rather than chopping reality up into these little pieces that we can then control the heart opens up and invites all that is to come and and play and part of all that is that comes to play is the dream world okay i'm following you on all of this so far the part i really Mm -hmm. want to ask you though is for those that are saying no wait a minute you talk about moving from your head to your heart. I understand that, but how do I do that? Because when I'm thinking, okay, now I have to move to my heart, am I not in my head? Do you know what I mean? So is it, when you say move from your head to your heart, is it feeling love? Is it feeling a heart-centered emotion as opposed to thinking something intentionally? I think it's going to be different for everybody, to be honest with you, and I can only speak to it from my own experience. Uh-huh. Um, 
let me give you an analogy. If you stub your toe, uh, all of your attention moves to, to your toe, and, and, and you know, that dominates your awareness. Uh, and that's sort of a negative way of, of saying that we have this capacity to move our awareness into different parts of our body. Right. So, so um, one, of the, one of the things that I did was, uh, and I may have learned this from somebody, and I can't remember who, but to imagine that, uh, you know, most of the time for, for me, I, I imagine that my essence or myself is sitting behind my eyes uh, in a space that is like a little control room that's in the center mm-hmm. of my brain. And, and so if I, if I go to that place and then intentionally sort of step into an elevator that moves downward, my essence, my being, my sense of self moves downward and then arrives at a place that is in this heart center. And I'm not talking about the physical organ of the heart. Right. It may be an energy center. I really don't even want to describe that because, again, I think it's going to be different for everybody. But there's just a sense of moving my my sense of identity down to a different place, and that's in that, in that heart center. Excellent. For those that want to learn more about this, Paul, tell us a little bit about lucidgreening.com. Okay, <laughs> that's that's a completely different uh, animal altogether. Um, but it, in a way, it does key in with what we've been talking about. One of the things that uh, happened to me as I moved into the heart center and, and the dream world began to open up was not only did the dream world open up, but my intuitional life opened up in a way that it, I had not known before. And so when your intuition opens up, it you learn to pay attention to the fleeting things that just come fluttering by. And one of the things that, that happened to me, I was walking on the beach one day, and suddenly I, I, this idea struck me. I had been looking at uh, the idea of crowdfunding, and looking for those of people who are not familiar with that, crowdfunding is a, is a relatively new way to raise money for various projects, and it takes advantage of social media and the Internet to reach a very wide audience and encourages that wide audience to give small gifts that add up to tremendous amounts of money at times. And um, I had been thinking about how difficult it is uh, to find money for the things that I consider to be really important, which is this right. whole study of, of the non-physical nature of being, this, uh, the nature of consciousness, the connection to spirit, and suddenly I thought, wait a minute, why not put mm-hmm. use crowdfunding for that? And so that was the genesis for a crowdfunding platform that we're just about ready to go live with that will be dedicated to raising money for projects that are based in spirituality, consciousness, awakening, al- alternative means of healing, etc. Uh, and I think we're probably there are a lot of crowdfunding platforms out there now, but I think we're about the only one that's that's entered into that particular area. And I'm I'm convinced that there is a community of people who are adamant, passionate about this area of study, and they and that they would be very happy to find something that is is moving in that direction. I think you are definitely on to something. I mean that you're describing our community. They're all seekers. Mm. They're they're ones that want to grow from an internal place and raise their consciousness level. And so right. that that's a, a brilliant idea. When do you think it'll launch? Well, actually, uh, I'm hoping that 
it'll be by the end of October. Um, we'll just wait. I'm in conversation with a couple of people right now who say they're ready to go. I wanted to make sure that we've got some projects in hand before we go live with the thing because I don't want people going to an empty website. Of course. Um, and uh, so that we can then prime the pump and, and get more and more uh, notoriety for this. Because I, I really think that one of the things that has happened with the spiritual community is that we've been pretty naive about uh, using money for uh, important purposes like that, like like what I'm trying to advance here. And I think it's time to put money to the things that really matter. Absolutely. It's the same as voting. You know, you're, pu- you're putting that vote where you want it, and that dollar is nothing more than saying, I support exactly. this. And that's fantastic. Exactly. Now, you also have a new magazine launching. Is that yes, part of this? Uh, mm-hmm. it, it is connected to... Um, the Lucid Greening website, in other words, and by the way, that's Lucid, L-U-C-I-D, Greening, G-R-E-E-N-I-N-G, uh, like the color, dot com. And uh, the magazine is also dedicated to this same niche in that what we want to do is to publish stories of people who have had an, non-ordinary encounters. In other words, these are encounters that go beyond the mundane uh, sense of the world and, and enter into a different way of exploring this larger capacity of human perception. I have learned through the years, both in preaching and in public speaking, that story has an enormous impact on people, and it can, can change us at, at levels that uh, logic and, and education can't necessarily touch. And so I think that... One of the things that we want to do, both through the Lucid Greeting website and also through Inner Story magazine, is to bring into greater public awareness these natural capacities of human beings and to bring them into the mainstream as opposed to being perceived as something that's an aberration. Uh, And when we do that, then it's going to give people more and more permission to uh, begin to explore this on their own. And I think that that's going to be the foundation for the next stage of human, human evolution. Excellent. Well, Paul, with everything that you have going on, what steps or practices do you personally do each and every day as part of your routine that kind of keep you on track? I think the, the most important thing for me is what we've already talked about, which is uh, I, I've never been a great meditator <laughs> By any means, and here I thought and, you would have been one of those masters that you know can sit for hours. No, are you kidding me? I'm, I'm <laughs> terrible at that stuff. Well, you know um, what's really and, funny? I have to. I'm laughing about that because I too have, from the time I've been in my twenties or my even my late teens, mm-hmm. I've tried that, and I have never been able to do that at the level that I have thought that I should be able to. But I find it in walking meditations. So I think mm-hmm. we all have a different way. So. Tell us about yours. Right. Well, I, one of the things, that, because I was a terrible meditator, that's why the, um, the methods of the Monroe Institute were so important to me, because they use an audio technology that helps people to move very naturally and easily into altered states of awareness. And, and I just can't speak highly enough of that uh, as, as a, just a great place for people to begin. And if you've got the money to go to the Monroe Institute to do their introductory program, I would recommend it highly. It's the best money that you will ever spend. But having said that, the other thing that uh, has become my virtually my sole practice at this point is that 
practice of going to bed at night before I fall asleep, moving into the heart space, and then entering into the dream world. And then in the morning, before I get out of bed, going back into that heart space and recounting the dreams that I've had. Because what I've found is that uh, I'm able to access... um, all kinds of wisdom, uh, and I'm convinced that these are real people or real entities who come to me, and and one in particular that's really great at dream interpretation. And then when I have the time to, uh, as soon as I can, to go to the computer and write down the dream and continue that conversation that began while I was still in bed with uh, the dream interpreter or whoever else emerges to begin to give me some kind of illumination. It's, it's been tremendously rewarding. Wow. I'm impressed. When do we get to read the book? <laughs> well, uh, I, I really would like to uh, either do a book uh, about it or do some kind of a home, home study course. But right now, I'm, I'm pretty much covered up with uh, Lucy Greening and Inner Story magazine. But I'm hopeful within the next year we'll have something uh, available to people. Fantastic. Well, again, to our listeners, we're speaking to Paul Rodemaker, and Paul can be found on justcomebacktoinspiremetoday.com. You can go to the search box, just put in Paul, you'll see him, Paul Rodemaker. Tell me if I'm pronouncing it right. Is it Rodemaker, Rodemaker? Rodemaker, but I've learned to answer to anything. (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you for that. <laughs> My apologies if I mispronounced your name of all Not things. Uh, so go ahead, come on back. You can check out Paul. We'll make sure we put the links there to his websites and to his future book and just the projects that he's working on. You'll also be able to read his bio and you'll be able to see his Today's Brilliance, which is the reason that I reached out to him in the first place. I thought it was one of the finest ones that I'd read. And that's why I contacted our COO, Kristen, and said, I need to interview this man. So, Paul, I am very grateful for you taking the time to share your insights with our listeners today. If you were to summarize your greatest wisdom, and you may have already said some of this, but if you were to just summarize it in a paragraph, what have you learned that you'd want to pass on to others right here, right now? I think the greatest thing is to follow your intuition. Uh, We all have an innate sense of, of our path if we will pay attention to it. And also to, to not disparage the things that come your way. I think, and I think the greatest of those is to really pay attention to your dreams, um, both in, in, a, in the night sense and also in, the, in the, the day sense and metaphorical sense of what it is that it is really calling you at the deepest level because that's the path that's laid out for you and that's when life really starts to uh, flourish. Oh, yeah. I'm, I... I love what you're saying here. I am looking forward to reading the book as soon as you write it. How's that? Well, speaking of which, I do have one book out already that we haven't mentioned, and it's called A Spiritual Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe, where I talk a lot about <laughs> the, ex- the experiences that, I, that I've had, and both personally uh, and with the Monroe Institute, and, and tie that back to uh, a, an esoteric understanding of uh, the Judeo-Christian tradition. And what a great name for the book. Oh, with everything that you've done and everything that you're working on now, what's next? If you had just one more thing that you could accomplish your experience in your lifetime, Paul, what would it be? I tend not to think too much about that because uh, I'm. As the older I get, the more I'm moving into the present moment. Good for and, you. Uh, 
Yeah, it's 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 a lot it's a lot better place to be than trying to figure out and anticipate the future. Excellent answer. I've asked this to hundreds and hundreds of luminaries and you're the first one with that answer. Interesting. Yeah, so that that definitely says something. Well, I really appreciate again your taking the time to share your brilliance with our listeners and with our community today. Again, come on back to Inspire Me Today. Just put in Paul Rademacher and everything that you'll want to know and ways to get in touch with him and support his work will be there. So, Paul, thank you. I greatly appreciate your being with us today. And uh, is there anything you'd like to add in closing? Just uh, my appreciation for you and your work and uh, um, best wishes to your entire audience. Thank you. We greatly appreciate that. And again, thanks for being with us. To our listeners, thank you for spending part of your day with us. Come on back again next week. We'll bring you inspiration from another incredible luminary. And until then, remember, it's only when you have the courage to step off the ledge that you'll realize you've had wings all along. We're here for you. We love you. We'll see you again tomorrow. And thanks again for stopping by. Your dream, it's your sky.